Falklands podcast from Falklands Television right down here in the South Atlantic Ocean. I'm Paula. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tom. Well, we're not in the ocean really, are we? We're underwater yeah. right this second. We're <laughs> sitting on an island. Wait, wait, no. We're, uh, no. we're sitting on a group of islands which is called Hannah. Hannah. Pronounce it. Archipelago. Yeah. There we Ooh. go. <laughs> Archipelago. Ar- was it? Ar- Archipelagio. <laughs> Archipelagio, was it? I, I wasn't even sure what you were asking me. I had me. to <laughs> spell it out phonetically for my voice. <laughs> I would write it down phonetically so I'd be like, Archipelago. Oh, oh, uh, so if you're watching along, listener, actually, there's not, there's more than two, there's more than one of you now. I know this for a fact. Listeners. Listeners. Yeah. yeah, we know there's more than one of you out there. Anyway, if you're listening along <clears throat> and you're watching uh, this week's programme on our um, website, fitv.co.fk, you're looking at week number 404 and it is jam packed this week jam packed well last week was pretty busy as well to be fair jam packed with visual goodies this week though and oh i like that Mm, visual goodies visual goodies visual goodies it is very visual all for our very extra extra special new platform yes thomas yeah, so uh, high definition, finally. Woo! So always filmed in HD, never... So you see all my wrinkles now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to listen to Gerard Butler even more now. Oh, I've gone off him. Michael Fassbender's the Oh, are we going to have to yeah. change the picture then in the, in the studio? I think we're going to have For those of you who don't know, Paula has a picture of Gerard Butler that tells her to smile to make sure she doesn't look grumpy. So... We need to watch Alien Convent. Michael Fassbender and that's not, not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, blood and gore. Um, yes, so we are now on HD, channel number 855. On Locally, your, of course. Yeah, if you're watching on the KTV platform. If you're watching online, you, unfortunately, we've had to compress the heck out of it. So yeah. it's a little bit... Um, but funny. hopefully that will, be, um, that will be changing because it's mainly to do with the megabytes locally. I just um, realised why you can't hear me because my microphone's been sitting on the cake tin. But anyway, go on. So you were really distant for I a little really bit. Distant. Yeah. Paula's back in the room. I'm <laughs> Yeah, we have got cake today because it was Steve's birthday yesterday and I was up till quarter to 11 making cake last night. So they late, are very that's nice. late for you, mm. isn't it? It is late for me because I'm an old lady and I go to bed at nine. <laughs> but um, the, the better cakes, can I just say, I've gone to the Stanley Services kitchen and we've got the rubbish ones here. That it's because good cakes build bridges. Exactly. And we've now got an invite <laughs> to the to Christmas do. Yeah, we're, the, yeah. we're invited to the Christmas do. Anyway, um, so we had a visitor earlier on. In, oh, no, no. First one. Is, um, oh, well, we're <coughs> going to talk about episode because we mentioned episode four hundred four. Let's talk about episode four hundred four Easter eggs. Yes. No, there's one in an interview. What is Hannah this? Did. It's not Easter this time of year. Just, just so people know. Yeah. What, what, is, what is, is this phrase? Easter, Easter eggs are hidden gems, aren't they? Easter eggs well are a hidden gem. Is that not like a well-known phrase? If you're a gamer, probably. No, films as well. Know. It's massive Easter thing. Eggs. Film buffs. You look for Easter eggs in like all the different. Films. Not really Easter eggs. It's just theory. Hidden messages and things. Something like Monsters Inc. and it's got. Um, a Finding Nemo toy in it and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that kind of stuff. They're, they're Easter eggs. They're hidden little symbols, things that are hidden around in yeah. films so you've got to look out for. And references to yeah. things. And so like in, in, this episode, in this episode 404, we've got um, an interview with Paul Brickle and he's being filmed in his office and there's a whiteboard behind him and there's a word written on the whiteboard behind him but we're not going to tell you no, what it is because you need to watch it. Week 404, if you're only just downloading the episode, it only cost you two quid. I think he must have been having a tough day. And he's probably <laughs> <laughs> just scrawled it on his board. As we were saying earlier, maybe he was just describing his work like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a load of... <laughs> Can we say what colour it was written in? Yeah, it's written in green. Yeah, it's written in green. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you were saying you had a, a similar thing with your interview with Janet Robertson. Yeah, from Consolidated Fisheries And Limited. that's a nice piece as well. 
because that's got some yeah. gorgeous shots in it. Got the toothfish under the water. Yeah. Again, abusing the HD <laughs> this week. Um, and I do have to thank Thomas Faragaguia, because I can never say his last Ferugia. name. Yeah, is this the, the guy that you told me was called oh, no, Canadian Can Tom? Yeah. And when I rang up and said, oh, are you Canadian Tom? He went, I'm actually from Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> and like brought up in California. <laughs> so nothing to do with Canada at all. But because he speaks French as well, and he's from that part of the world, I just assumed he was from French Canada. That was just an automatic assumption. Okay. So something out of you and me, as they say about assuming. Um, but I have to thank him for that because he provided me with the, that footage for the promotional video we did for Fifka yeah, earlier on in the year. Which was also gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah but the gorgeous. underwater footage that they got, and it was actually, I found out, uh, CFL that helped fund the... Um, helped fund the... the conservation ball. Well, no, the, um, the cameras. The cameras that filmed the toothfish. Oh, okay. So Janet was telling me about it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have yeah. shots of those fish." Ah, so they've just on. had a review, haven't they, of their fisheries, uh, of the f toothfish fisheries? Yes, indeed. I'm being told it's. Yes, yeah, so uh, the up. MSC certified, which is like a some a certain certificate looking at sustainability, um, and they've been an MSC certified for years, and they had a certain. A certain process put in place in 2012 to help track sustainability of the fishery to make sure they're not catching too many young fish so just to make sure that the toothfish fishery in Janet's words goes on for as long as it's naturally yeah, yeah. going to go on for um, and it's been set up and going well for about six years now so what they thought they'd do is they'd get a completely by a completely unbiased um, external reviewer to come down a Scottish chap actually Katie will love that, um, who came down to look at it and just to make sure that the methods that they were using were as effective as possible in managing the sustainability of the fisheries. And she said, apart from a couple of um, changes to the, the lexical register, the words that they used, um, it was really, really good. Yeah. So that reflects perfectly on the Falklands fisheries. And, Best run uh, fisheries in the world, yeah. 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 Really cool. And Janet's lovely. So the other thing that's incredibly good <coughs> looking great on the, the programme this week is a long piece on Pebble... No, no, it's not going to no. next week. It's a long <laughs> piece on uh, Dolphins of the Deep. There's a lot of water stuff. Of the deep. Dolphins of the Kelp. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a lot of water stuff we've got. It's a yeah. theme we've got. Aqua this week. Yeah. Um, Aqua running. <laughs> I went out a couple of months ago, actually it was a good few months ago, with a team, a research team from SARI, the South Atlantic Environmental Research Institute, and um, I went out with them to Port Howard to do some dolphin watching and spotting um, of the Commonsense dolphin. Mm -hmm. So we were out on the Zodiac for a week and we were out and about trying to find these dolphins and take photos of their dorsal fins because each fin has a different marking, like that's a like notches and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that's almost like a fingerprint so you can suss out whether you've spotted the same dolphin in the same spot or not. So you go then go, oh, look, that's Eric. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very um, similar in that way to the um, photo identification work done in the Saywell project yeah, for yeah, conservation, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it's all the same. It's the same method, isn't it, photo ID? Um, yeah. But then also we did some um, underwater stuff with the GoPro on a yeah. broom handle. So uh, same <laughs> so, thing. Yeah, that was quite so good. What cameras were you using on that? Um, Obviously you're limited in space, aren't you? Well, because we were on these tiny little Zodiac ribs, I was umming and ahhing about taking the big camera and the big JVC tripods and things, and I ended up going with the gimbal and my iPhone X, which worked really, really well. So mm. I combined footage from that with our GoPro footage, mm -hmm. and I did my interviews on the JVC, and it all actually quite worked, worked out quite well. Yeah. 
Um, with the gimbal and the iPhone, because the boat's rocking constantly, and if it's rough, that keeps it quite steady. Yeah. So you were saying earlier about the some people who are listening to this will go, oh my, they're using a phone? But actually the 10, and, and we're plugging this because actually Apple, you could send us a few more tens down here because obviously we're on a very tight budget. Well, how you, how wait, before we carry on there, how unique would that be if Apple were up for sending us some new iPhones down here and then brought then like pushing this as a plug, a TV station in yep. the South Atlantic, the smallest national TV station in the using world. only iPhones iPhone to produce a variety of different packages. Yeah. How good, how good like as a piece of marketing mm. that so would be. I know oh, of course Apple need to market themselves more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's gonna be some people out there who are obviously Android users and obviously there's some very, very good Androids there's out there. Some fantastic ones, yeah. In our office there's uh, four of us and we're actually all on iPhones. Hannah's got the ten and there's a couple of us on sevens, so I think we've got six as well. But the the ten, the camera in particular, is is great. phenomenal, isn't it? Well, the whole the, the whole reason I bought it, I bought it before I came here actually for yeah. the job because I thought the majority of my stuff will be mojo and for quick, easy, quick news packages, quick interviews. It's great. The quality of the the footage is really good. It's and beautiful. The fact that it's four K, you can mess about with it in post if you want to. You can zoom right in yeah. and crop things out and do whatever without losing the quality. Because that's what it's lacking, really, yeah. isn't it? Mm. That is that really good zoom that we've got on mm. our bigger cameras. But you can, by filming, like you say, filming in 4K, you're filming it like the size of the universe, and then it just comes down. Well, I think it's, it's the way journalism's going, mm. especially quick journalism, quick fire news journalism is going phones, because people are filming things straight away as it's happening. Mm. Yeah. So you kind of want something instantly, you don't have time to set up tripods and this and that. If something's happening quickly yeah. and unfolding before you, you need to and, and I think we might have to look back into previous episodes because we have if we haven't discussed it next week on the podcast, I'd love to talk about instant gratification, like mm -hmm. this generation exactly as Hannah's touching mm -hmm. on there about you mm -hmm. want things immediately. And it's quick video. Do you know your attention span of mm -hmm. the consumer is quick? Yeah. Yeah. It's really short. This yeah. is, I went to a World in just the, while I was in the UK last, and that was one of the things that was brought up is that young people these days, young people these days, <laughs> um, the majority of them don't own a TV because they watch everything on, online. online. And, and it's, on top it's of that, that instant, you, yeah. and it's constant, uh, constant content. That's what they're looking for. And I went, went to see um, Jeffrey Star, brilliant makeup artist. His lipsticks are fantastic. Um, he he does obviously a series of pod, uh, vlogs on uh, all YouTube. the dreaded word. Oh, look at me. Um, looking at vlogs and um, they were saying to him you know how are you a success because he, he's like such a success and he said it's content you've got to produce content and like you say you've got a um, a phone and, and a good editing suite on your phone well, you can do it all on your own do you know you it's don't need you don't need the, the big studio and the lights and this and that you can do it all instantly well they were talking ourselves out of a new studio and lights. no but I say that we were watching some of the previous episodes of FITV weren't we filmed on the potato camera and <laughs> we had cool shots of you out and about in the middle of nowhere doing your pieces and your links in the, with, with the farm and the sheep and yeah. Also, yeah. so it, it did was, work. It was a very uh, weather segment on BBC Breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am at uh, one of the parks in the middle of London. Uh, how's it going, <laughs> Manchester studio? But this brings us very neatly on because I had a little rant earlier on the week, which we're not going to talk about, but it was about um, how it takes some time to do a good job and you can't just mm. whiz these things off. You have to know what you're doing. And uh, you were bringing up... Um, Journalism and you, and, and it's because it is a profession. It's not just somebody who can string a sentence together and write a few words and take some pretty pictures, is it? Yeah. It's a, it's a profession, and there are ethics surrounding that profession. Yeah, 
And it's, and <laughs> I'm going to contradict myself here based on still my favorite quote from one of my first year essays, which is a journalist is someone who does journalism regardless of whether they're paid for it or not. So it's a profession, but it's also a state of mind, as my, uh, my lecturer always told deep. me. This yeah. inquisitive get a cup, yeah. get a cup of tea, listener. Yeah. Pause this, get a cup of tea and come back. But the thing is, there's a responsibility as well. And we've spoken before about the fourth estate and everything like that. And I don't want it to be lost just because we're in a smaller community. Like the, the idea that a journalist is just anyone who picks up a microphone, picks up a pen, picks up a camera and goes out and films, records, writes something and publishes it. Like, that isn't always journalism now, you have to you have to understand the ethics you have to understand the law you have to understand what you're doing and there is a responsibility um, I think it was a poll done a couple, well about a decade ago in the UK and the two least trusted professions in the United Kingdom yes. were politicians yeah. and yeah. journalists mm. journalists so closely behind politicians and I mean just for goodness sake how are you supposed to be the fourth estate when you're the least trusted profession but I think people think that you're you've always got a hidden agenda yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean when you're speaking to people or whatever? Oh, that they're worried that whatever they say is on the record and that you're trying to pry Swiss things out it, of them yeah. and this and that. And Which to an extent, and we're not I like am, we're, we're, we, don't, we yeah. don't work for a tabloid newspaper. Do you know we're not trying to no, do slanderous not. things. No, no, we're not. Whatever. We, we have had, had people in the past work for FITV who wanted to take it in that direction. So whenever anything came up, it was like, who is to blame? But the thing is, who it do can... I find to blame? And that's just not what what FITV does. Our news items are factual. We base mm. them on fact. But the thing is, it can be taken in that direction when it needs to. And I think if you take it in that direction all the time, the, it's almost like the person who cried wolf, isn't it? It's like, if you take it in that direction all the time, that one time where you really need to take it in that direction, people are going to already have their guards up. Whereas, like, if, as Hannah says, like, you, you take things properly, you actually sit down and talk to people most of the time because you're not trying to make a fool out of them. That time where you do need to pry, people will be like, well, they never do this before, they never do this, then there's a reason they'll be doing it. Mm. Um, but there's there's been some stuff recently about the second flight linking yes. South America, and we always knew that it's probably going to end up with a stopover in Argentina. And that that, considering there are a lot of people who live here who went through the war in 82, uh, there's still people living with those experiences and I think as a journalist you have a responsibility to report on those on the facts as as mentioned earlier like the facts of the case not speculating about what's going to happen what trend it looks like or anything like that without putting your opinion, personal personal yeah. opinion into it yeah. and if you want to put yeah. your personal opinion into it make very clear this is my personal mm. opinion and as you were saying earlier about being unbiased presents the facts to and for and against, mm. um, and like that, because otherwise you just create fear amongst a community that, and you can't do that, and you can't do that, especially if you're in a community especially that is susceptible to that yeah, fear. Yeah, quite a small. Yeah, I think that links on also to um, court reporting. I was going to say that, yeah, because there has been some um, stirrings in the community about the recent court reports, not from us. I hasten to add, though may we've have had been it in a the past, little yeah. bit upsetting, um, and. As you say, um, court reports shouldn't be upsetting um, because you should write them in such a way that they're not upsetting. Well, it should be, it's fact. It, yes, again, it's, it's, it's facts. So, you know? And that's really bad. No, we don't go into the details, you know. We don't go into the nitty-gritty, blow-by-blow account of the alleged offences. We just sort of gloss over it all. But I feel sometimes here it can <coughs> be reported quite 
close to the bone compared to if you looked at UK newspapers and the way that they, they report mm. stuff. Um, don't know how to word this. No, <laughs> We've been no. without being, yeah. Because, yeah. because listen, no, but so it's, listeners. It's one, of the, it's one of those where I think there has to be a happy medium. Mm. Uh, I think that's where you're trying to get. You're trying to, you need to give as much of the story to make people understand what happened, but not for it to be too vulgar. Exactly, that's the thing. Like the, the verbal, the, when you say like explaining um, what, what, what the, def uh, the defendant's actually done. Alleged to have done. Alleged to have done. I think you, you can, you should, some of it can be said, and obviously that's great, but when it comes to like the gory, like gory details or something that's a little bit all sensitive, that should not be mentioned, you know? But it depends I mean? on how much relevance it has. We're not, we're not a tabloid. You just said it yourself. Mm. We're not a tabloid. We don't need to do that. Um, so, listen, we had a, a, a chat about this before we started and, and, and how we were going <coughs> to approach this particular subject. Um, and uh, that's why I interjected in the middle just to, dis to tell you that we had a little chat because <laughs> <laughs> um, Hannah was going, now, how, how do I word this again? But anyway, we, we were talking about that and also about journalism, about just... Um, uh, yeah. Funnily enough, I was skimmed over it and I really wish I'd actually read it properly now but there was uh, we were looking at copyright because we were looking at Hannah's one of Hannah's pieces that she'll talk about talking in a minute Facebook um, pictures, isn't it? But yeah. yeah talking about copyright with pictures and there's a paragraph in my <coughs> name about recycling other people's stories mm. and uh, I really wish before we decided to talk about journalism I'd just gone over there and had a quick read of it yeah. just to see what it says well let's bring that up on the next week's pro podcast because yeah. I think is it, is it right to just take someone else's article and broadcast it, read it out on radio or television or well, anything like that? Well, I think like it that? depends, though, because with, um, with radio, I know with some radio stations, they've got subscriptions to, like, Sky News, blah, 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 or whatever, where they've got the cues written yes. for them and stuff, and yeah. you pay for that subscription. Yes, yeah. you do. You get that, and you get the audio yeah. clip as well. Yeah. But then... And, and the same with press releases, I guess. You can read that with the, without the copyright, without having to mention... But do you think that's, do you think that's lazy think, journalism, yeah, taking a press release and not yeah. rewording it? I think we all think that's lazy journalism. Yeah, it is lazy journalism. But if you're, if you're on your own, say you're doing it independently, small one-man thing, and you're doing a vlog, and you sign up to press releases or newsletters or whatever, yeah. and you're doing it, then, yeah, I think it's doable. Mm. I don't yeah. think it's... I wouldn't say you're a trained journalist... Like yeah. If someone's trying to do something on their own independently and you've been sent yeah. a press release, they've got every right to read it straight word for word, I'm guessing, copyright-wise. Yeah, well, that's, but that's maybe, yeah. But <coughs> that's, that's a press release. And well, we just get sniffy about it. Um, mm. But is a press release different? It's not is, is what we are. <laughs> is, is, is a press release different to just snabbing an article off the internet, translating it, say, South American, and translating it and just reading it? Is that the same thing? No, because I think that's cop I think that's, that's copyright. copyright. That I think copyright. that's plagiarism. And, and yeah. that is what I wanted to read about on McNay, so we'll yeah. talk about We're that probably next podcast. week. Yeah. So yeah. tune in next week for plagiarism and copyright. That'll be a good one. Bring a oh. cup of tea for that. But And an alarm to wake you up at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The big thing here, of course, is that they don't. That there's, a, a, there's a myth that there is no copyright in the Falklands. Yeah. But there is copyright in the Falklands. There's copyright is everywhere. It transcends borders, for it's goodness the, sake. What is it? I want to say it's the Bourne Convention, but it might not. Jason or... <laughs> or Obsessed with Matthew Bourne, I think he's lovely. Um, anyway, let's move on. Um, you went to a talk last night, and oh, you've, so, you've yeah. given us a few snippets over the morning 
And actually, it sounds like we all should have gone. It sounded like mm. a really good talk. Yeah. Well, Hannah brought up Sari earlier, who she did the dolphin research with. Um, I went to a talk last night by someone else who works at Sari on fur seals and how the population of fur seals in the Falkland Islands, how important is it to the global or at least the South American, the South Atlantic population. And it turns out that the research that they've done in terms of counting the number of fur seals <laughs> here is much bigger than expected. The last research was done in 1980, 1990, something like that, quite, yeah. a, quite a while ago. And the population has increased tenfold since then. And wow. I mean, I think they counted something like 26, 28,000 pups this year far larger than they thought um, than they thought there was. So if you, to put it into comparison, one of the largest and most important breeding areas for fur seals in the South Atlantic is Uruguay, and that has 30,000 pups. Argentina has 2,000 pups. It was thought that the Falklands had very similar numbers to Argentina, and they've done this they've done this research for the first time in like three decades and they found out it's as important if not more important than any of the other breeding populations wow. in the South Atlantic and it was fantastic they um they tracked six females and four males with uh with these little tell us about it yeah because on the Facebook event yeah. of the talk they had the photograph of the with, the, yeah. say, with this with this high-tech little robotic thing stuck on it, it looked like a tracker yeah. uh, so the trackers that they have on them are placed on with this two he said two-part adhesive things, it's glue. And they put it, that, yeah. that's what it is to me, it's, it's glue. Uh, they put it on after, just after they've molted. So um, halfway through like the breeding season kind yeah. of thing. And they, like, they have like a six month battery life and what will happen is they will, they will fall off when the animal next molts. Um, so it was a, I think there were about 10, six females and four males that they used as part of their, their survey, which you think, oh, that's quite a small number of them. Yeah, yeah. And then he tells you that they're about, uh, I think he says something like four and a half thousand pounds per tracker. Jesus. Ooh. Per GPS, which And how many do they lose institute. out of those? Oh, they lose nearly all of them. Uh, but all the information is relayed to a satellite, so they don't have to recover the GPS to get the which information back. Yeah. Um, it was fascinating seeing how they tracked them and there were two different main populations that they they tracked there and based ones on like the the jasons uh the set of islands at yeah. the top of the islands and one was at i can't remember the other islands but like bottom of the islands and it was really really interesting to see like the different the uh, the different breeding pattern uh, the different um feeding patterns sorry okay. of those two groups and they very rarely intertwine. Okay. So uh, the bottom ones... They don't ones, have a massive like first seal meeting no, in the southeast not really. or something. How far, do they, yeah, how far do they go out range-wise? Hundreds and hundreds of miles, really? uh, kilometres. Yeah, I think it's like something like the, the Jason's ones go up to 300 kilometres up the Patagonian shelf. Wow. Uh, and the northern ones, um, so the ones that the Jason's tend to feed deeper down in the ocean on fish, whereas the ones at the bottom of the Falklands tend to feed in shallower oceans on crustaceans, so things like um, uh, like uh, shrimp and things like that. Yeah. So it's, it was really interesting to see how the same species in different areas feeds and, and acts in a really different way, even though there are only couple Made miles apart. But are there mating really seasons like the similar time or? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The, the, the species as a whole has the exact same mating season. Uh, they just 
happen in two different places and very rarely intertwine. But one of the things I found out that was most... Do you think they can trace it all back to a fallout in previous generations? <laughs> no, you're going to go north. Oh, well, yeah. Go. Well, well, so, if you go back, are they did, all from the same? Are they all someone, from the same? Someone did ask and he <laughs> said he didn't have that, that answer just yet. But what he was showing was pictures of some very important breeding areas in 2014 compared to the same pictures in 2018 and the numbers are seriously like declining. Uh, so the number that they've got that they tracked this year is a lot higher than the previous track. But if you compare it to four years ago, some of the most important breeding areas in the Falklands, the numbers have like reduced by like a lot. So we're talking mm. 70 where there were 140 and why did, Is that because of fishing and things like they that? They think or? that's because of predation. And they think it's because of, so predation as in like the predators going for them. And I was like, a fur seal? What? What would he a killer whale, maybe? Yeah, orca. No, that's what I think. Yeah. Biggest predator for fur seals, sea lions. Ooh. So male sea lions will, hire, will sort of play around in the shallows right by a breeding population. And I mean, he showed us a picture and there's the, the little, the bay down at the bottom and this quite large hill. And like, it's a fair distance from the shore and there's this big breeding population of fur seals. And this was 2014. Same picture, 2018, when he was doing his research, the fur seals are a bit all over the place, sort of they look scattered, there's a lot less of them, and he shows up on the picture, there's a sea lion that's gone all the way up to nab a pup <gasps> really? and come back down. So they're thinking that potentially the, the population might killed. not be, uh... it, it might be declining because they're getting killed, but it might also be the fact that um, he was saying that the female fur seals are very alert to the predators. So if they know that they're in an area, they're breeding in an area where before sea lions have come to kill their pups, they won't return to that area. Clever. See, the ladies are clever. So they, they understand that. So they think maybe the population isn't declining, but it's getting moved around and maybe they're not coming or back. Or they're going somewhere else. So it'd be yeah. really interesting that's to follow cool. that research as he carries that on. That's another thing that they say to you when there's occasionally when uh, sea lions appear on Surf Bay and stuff like that, they do warn you that they are quite happy yeah. to run uphill. You've got to be careful. Yeah. And of course that, um, although it was an elephant seal, that um, tourist got bitten yeah, uh, in South, South Georgia, Georgia last week and uh, luckily oh. they are okay. Tell us about that, what you got from when you went on your um, trip to Kidney. <laughs> oh yeah, I went to Kidney Island last week for the first what time you doing all the wildlife, to, see yeah. the, uh, yeah. to see the sheer waters, which is a stunning sight. I have to say, I went to Rome during the starling migration and that's the only time in my life I've ever seen more birds above my head. Like, but the sheer waters are substantially bigger and they, they come swooping past you within like a foot of your head. But we were walking through the tussock and I encountered a sea lion skull with four, uh, with four teeth in it. So I became very primal and took it down to the beach and smashed it open with a rock and took the teeth. So I now have a big old sea lion tooth we'll on my desk. We have to put a picture up for this podcast. No, I, uh, I gave out the smaller ones to the, some of the other people I was with and then I realised that the small one was more practical to make into a key ring or something like that. <laughs> so now I just have a big old tooth and I don't really know what to do with it. So, uh, yeah, right, sharp, let's, move on, to, yeah. let's yeah, move on from well. wildlife and um, we'll go to... Um, we've done filming and... Sorry, it, it was just going on far too long. I will cut all this out. Um, Pebble, you were on Pebble. So it's going to continue with the um, HD. Well, we're not, no, we're not filming for HD. Visual we're goodies. HD Visual anyway. goodies. Visual goodies. That was the phrase you used. Visual goodies. You went to Pebble Island. Yes. Again. Again. <laughs> Again. Second time in <laughs> I might as well go and live there, actually. No. Um, I'm doing a piece because. Um, 
Pebble Island is going up for sale, or it is up for sale currently, and I'm doing a piece on the history of Pebble. Uh, so when I went out there, I found out a bit about um, the family that run Pebble, uh, the Dean brothers, and it's all still under family ownership now. But um, 120 odd years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 1869. Um, mm. So, and he bought it. John Mark Markham Dean bought it for um, 400 pounds at the time, <laughs> and now it's probably going up for God knows what millions. But um, yeah, so I went there and I filmed some of the wildlife and some of the sheep and stuff like that, and looked at the settlement and went around some of the buildings. So my piece is going to be hopefully visually lovely. Because yeah. you've got, there's um, a memorial there, isn't there? To yeah, the there's a lot of um, history there. HMS there was an Coventry. SAS raid there, yeah. um, and 11 Argentine military aircraft were shot down there. So there's a lot of remnants of planes and ejector seats and things like that, right. which is interesting. There's also the HMS Coventry Memorial on the top of um, first, or halfway up first. So I've got lots of shots of that, and I'll be looking into kind of the history, the military history of Pebble, and the family history, because it's quite nice that it's a family-run island. And it's, yeah. a, I think, it's a slightly a shame that it's going to be outside of the family for the first time in yeah. a long time. It's going, going to be sold on. Um, but I guess running an island is quite a task to manage. It'll be really interesting to see it, see the history of one of the small islands in the archipelago. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is the fact that it's coming up to Christmas. So excited. So much It's too early for Christmas. The What's On Guide. Next podcast, I might accept The What's On Guide is absolutely jam packed full of Christmas stuff. And advent calendars. All our advent calendars. Now, listen to this, listeners. Right, Hannah received a parcel earlier on in the week and her mum had put on it, do not open till the 31st of November. There is no 31st of November, might I add. 30th of yeah. November. Guess, yeah. guess what she, she did? Said that. She opened it straight away. But I didn't open the actual, the actual, the advent actual advent calendar. It was a lovely big beauty advent calendar um, and a chocolatey, fatty advent calendar. And Casey, got, you've got your advent calendar up. I see. Yeah. yeah. Package from Mum too. Thomas, do you want me to get you an advent? I was going to say we need to get you an advent calendar. It's all right. Mm -hmm. I'm quite okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking by my uh, my solitary attitude. <laughs> we do this afternoon. Um, I have to warn you, we're going to have to do some singing because we need to record mm. our entry for the challenge concert. I'm afraid I'm busy this we afternoon. We should do an FIT uh, FITV advent calendar. For our listeners, every well, day. It's funny we, we could you do like every week. It's funny you should say that because about five or six years ago, I did a make when I was doing my Valerie Singleton phase. <laughs> I did an, an advent calendar make, and then when James Page was here, he did um, an FITV advent calendar where he would do like a little clip of something each day yeah. of December. We might do that. I think we should do that. I think we should do that actually. Yeah. Um, on our Facebook page, it'd be marvellous. On the first day of December, oh, a rock hopper hatched. On the second day, a male, uh, <laughs> a male petrel gave a an egg. We've got all of that. So that's what we will be doing this afternoon. And we've got next week, because your pebble piece will be on, so yes. that'll be pictorially pretty. Beautiful. Um, we will have the triathlon. I do hope the weather's good on Sunday because we'll be filming mm. the triathlon. I'm hoping to get the motocross done for next you week. You might as be well, going to motocross at Johnson's Harbour, which will be 
that will look fantastic as well. Let's hope we've got good weather. So, I mean, you're going to have to download... You might as well get a subscription, basically, listeners. You might as well get a subscription. It's 60 quid a year. It's nothing. Might I say as well, the majority of our shots this week have all been in the sunshine. Yeah. Nice and sunny, so get your sunglasses on when you're watching. Um, One of the big things we didn't talk about that was filmed this week, uh, well, was filmed before, but it was Men's Day, International Men's Day. Oh, yes. Yes, I made a very big point of, of doing something for International Men's Day. And Katie went along to speak. Katie's in the room, but she's over there. She's not allowed to podcast today. Um, so, Katie, just shout and tell us about your men's shed. Because it's not called men's shed, is it? Shout. Men um, in well, a shed. <laughs> the men's shed is what it is across the world, but down here they call themselves the men's group. Um, and it's basically a group of men that all come together once a week. And in their words, they have a coffee and reminisce about their past and just about life and things like that and all of them said it's one of their favourite times in the week because they get out the house, they have a chat and it's just a really good opportunity to socialise when sometimes it's not that easy. And it was a nice mix of ages I thought Mm. when I looked at your piece, a lovely mix of ages. You've got people like Tony who obviously are a little bit older and then you've got some younger chaps as well so it's really nice. It's It was a really great atmosphere. I mean I'd love to go along every week but I don't think I quite meet. You haven't got the equipment. You need, you need to get your, your drag on and then you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know if they're just going to do cups of tea or are they going to do, because you were saying how in the borders they did some stuff like woodworking workshops and things like that. Do you know if there's any plans for like physical activities as well? Um, I'm not sure. I think just with the group that they've got at the minute I don't think that's a possibility but um, yeah, across the world, Men's Shed is getting, giving men a new hobby mm. and sort of working on woodwork or painting or gardening, something like that to try and, because obviously we all know that being active and being creative spurs on your mental health and can make you feel better. So that's kind of what the men's group's about. So I think that's what Nick down here, who runs the men's group, is working towards. I think mm. we, should get, um, we should get Richard to see if he wants to run a painting class for them he does painting oh, for you yeah. guys on Saturday I, I morning. I thought they were, they were saying something about going fishing as well. Maybe oh, in the okay. future doing like a fishing trip down by the um, Marrow, not too oh, far that'd away. That would be cool. Be quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Right, well that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Um, next week we'll be saying bye to CBF, won't Ooh. we? Yes, next week we will say goodbye Commander to Commander of the CBF. British Forces. But anyway, if you want to listen along, look at our website, fitv.co.fk. Mm. Um, as I say, 60 quid a year for a, a... Well, you can do it monthly if you want to, but 60 quid a year is nothing, so... Um, bargain. You know, bargain mm. for that. Um, have I said the website? fitv.co.fk? Yes. Well, mm-hmm. Have you said no. the website? Can I say F-I-T-V. it again? One more time. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook as well. And, and Instagram. And Instagram. Oh, Instagram. You well. love it, really. So we'll see you next week. See Bye. You next week. Bye.